Welcome to the Perfume Room. Okay, you guys, this is what I am currently posting about on the Perfume Room Instagram stories. It's very top of mind. So I thought it would be fun. I'm going to give you my analysis of the Love is Blind season three cast and the fragrances that I think they would be wearing. So with that said, if you do not care about the show or do not watch the show, or maybe you are not caught up, this will be a spoiler or annoying for you to hear. So feel free to fast forward the next like minute or so. Okay. Anyway, take a second, do what you need to do. Great. Everybody's here, wants to hear it. Let's get into it. Let's start with Alexa and Brennan. Okay, so one thing I want to say about Alexa and Brennan is I do think this idea of opposites attract has been the downfall of so many different relationships on screen and off screen. I feel like people use that sort of like catch-all phrase to justify their way out of fundamental deal breaker differences in relationships. They're just like, oh, we're so different. We're opposites. Um, And that I think is the case with Zenob and Cole. But in the case of Alexa and Brennan, and obviously we'll see if it works out long term, but I feel like their points of differentiation really were like an opposites attract situation. They work. I'm here for it. Love seeing Brennan in a yarmulke and stomping on the glass. I mean, chef's kiss. Okay. Anyway, I do think they were a little like on their high horse at the reunion because they were like the couple that didn't have issues. But I will give them a pass because they were consistently pleasant to watch all season long. And when they got married, I literally clapped out loud for them and said mazel like I was sitting in the audience. Okay. Anyway, Alexa is a Baccarat Rouge girl through and through. I I don't even think it's up for discussion. Um, I could see her having like a few others in rotation. Maybe she'd have like a Tom Ford Lost Cherry or a Byredo Belle D'Afrique, like a few other sort of like cool luxury scents. But to me, she is a Baccarat girl. Okay. Now, this is a bit of a curveball, but to me, Brennan is Creed Aventist. And though he is sort of minimalist in his like fashion sense and like loves to talk about how he has like three jackets and two shirts, etc., I weirdly could see him being like a fragrance Reddit guy. I think he'd be more of like a voyeur, but I feel like he'd be into the conversation. Um, and with that said, I feel like he'd be like, a staunch defender uh, and lover of Creed Aventus. It just sort of like fits his personality. And if he wasn't wearing Creed Aventus or any sort of cologne, I do feel like when he started dating Alexa, she'd be like, okay, babe, like we got to get you a fragrance. And I feel, I don't know if she would pick Creed Aventus for him. I think she'd be happy if he already owned it. I feel like she could go for like, I feel like if she was shopping for him, she'd try and give him like a little bit more of like a metropolitan edge and like get him like Santal 33 or maybe like some sort of Tom Ford scent. Okay, moving on, SK and Raven. Um, I feel like they both were wearing nice fragrances before they met each other, while they were dating, and now in their current relationship. And also, I did post on my story, and it was confirmed by an anonymous first-party source who used to date SK that he is indeed a Scorpio, which was my prediction on my story, and that he wears Credaventus. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Checks out. I, I see that. What I said on my story, and I think this would be like fun and cute, is I see Raven as wearing Maison Francis Kirk John Gentle Fluidity Gold. And then because she is SK's treasure, I feel like she would wear gold and he would wear Gentle Fluidity Silver as like a fun, like his and her couple sense. Like I could totally see them being that couple that like gets the like two different versions of the same sense that they can both wear it. Okay. (laughs) 
Let's move on. More problematic couples, Colleen and Matt. Oof, Matt is giving me such bad vibes. He was, I really just think in the reunion, which I was generally very pleased with, I just don't think they held Matt accountable. Anyway, Matt gives me the biggest Aqua Geo vibes. I can't explain it. I know I'm not wrong. I just know it. I feel it in my bones. And you know what? I actually like Aqua Geo and I don't like Matt, but I just feel like it's kind of like still relevant, but a little out of touch. Like, I don't know. It just, it just feels like it is in his energy. Also, that aquarium scene where he's just like, say it, say it, say it. Like that, I was that the, not the most triggering scene to watch? Okay, moving on. Colleen. I feel like Colleen is going to go with like La Vie Belle. I feel like she's going to wear something pretty, popular, sweet, sort of unproblematic, mass appealing, not moving the needle, but you're never going to like have something bad to say about it and it's probably not going to be the most memorable scent. Let's move on to Zeneb and Cole. To me, Zeneb embodies all that is Tom Ford. I feel like it is a very articulated, sort of loud, point of view brand. I feel like it very much is in line with like Aries energy. To me, Zeneb is like Aries, Tom Ford. I see her rocking Black Orchid. And Cole, I feel like he'd wear something sort of like innocuous, mass appealing, Um, like something that's like likable, but not like so memorable, but is not going to offend anyone. I feel like he'd be wearing like Blue de Chanel or YSL Loam. Like he's going to be in a solid freshie and Zenob is going to be in something that's like turning ahead and you're having an opinion about it. Bartice and Nancy. I think Nancy is a Carolina Herrera good girl, like through and through. I feel like she would love the name. I feel like she would love the bottle. It's nice. It's sweet. It's a little sexy. It's kind of corny. I don't know. Just feels right. And then Bartise, I don't have to say it. You guys know what I'm going to say. Say it with me now. One, two, three, Dior Sauvage. Did we all say that? Yes, I know we did. Okay, on a side note, I feel like Creed has come up a few times in this intro, so I do want to talk about it because the other week they generously invited me to a holiday gifting event at their Madison Avenue store where I was allowed to pick from one of five fragrances, one to take home, and the five fragrances were Millicene Imperial, Aventus for Her, Aventus, Silver Mountain Water, and Windflowers. And I have to say, of all five scents, there was one that was the clear, distinct winner for me, and that was Silver Mountain Water. Now, I've smelled all of these at different points, but it was nice to just sort of be able to, like, smell them and spend some time with them together. But I will say, like, Creed Aventus, despite its popularity, despite the cast members that I think would be wearing it, it doesn't do it for me. I love Creed Aventus Cologne. Creed Aventus, I find too loud, too astringent. The pineapple note, the citrus note, it's just, it's too much for me. The apple patchouli thing going on in Aventus for her, I could see someone wearing it and getting so many compliments. It's not like my personal preference. I like windflowers. It's like a little sweet and floral for something that I probably would personally wear. Millicene Imperial, I, I liked, but it wasn't like moving the needle for me. Um, But then Silver Mountain Water is just such a pretty sort of tea scent. And what I like about it is that I feel like the projection and sillage are very loud without it actually being a loud fragrance. It actually reminds me of Coligna from L'Artisan Parfumeur, which is, I believe, like a dried fruit and fig fragrance. And not that those notes are necessarily in Silver Mountain Water, but there's just something very similar 
in that fragrance to me. Anyway, what I also love about it is that it's something that both I have been wearing and my boyfriend has been wearing and it smells so nice on both of us. I think if you are looking for like a splurge gift um, for anyone in your life, I kind of feel like anyone could kind of pull off Silver Mountain Water and yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So thank you so much, Creed. I don't know why I just think Creed as if like Creed is listening to this podcast, but yeah, I really like Silver Mountain Water. This has been a longer intro than usual. Let's get to today's guest. We have a great one. Today we are joined by fellow content creator Tracy Wan, who is the person behind the Invisible Stories account on Instagram and on TikTok. And in addition to being a content creator, Tracy is a fragrance writer. And it was actually words discovering the language of fragrance through fragrance critics and writers like Luca Turin and Chandler Burr that set Tracy down this path. We discuss the notes and profiles that she gravitates towards, specific scents that have changed her, her favorite non-perfume smells and influences, unexpected surprise and delights, finding fragrances to match people's conceptual desires, and we end the episode by live smelling the newest collection from L'Artisan, which is their Potager collection, Five Scents, all inspired by different vegetable notes. If you are in this month's Smell Club, spoiler alert, two of the scents that we discuss are in the pack. So again, you might want to fast forward, although maybe it'll be fun to hear our opinions. Here is Tracy. Tracy, welcome to the Perfume Room. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. I have been following you on TikTok, on Instagram, and I... Love your work. I love your voice. And I'm excited to chat with a fellow fragrance lover. I know. I, I really do feel like I know you already just from having seen your face on TikTok so many times. I feel like it's kind of a symptom of our era is that we feel like we know all of these like characters online so intimately when really we do not. <laughs> it's so true. Like I feel like we logged onto this call and we're like, hey, what's up? But it's like, I've actually never met you. Anyway. Tracy, what fragrance are you wearing today? Today. Or fragrances, yeah. Um, I saved at least one pulse point for the live smelling portion of this episode Great. we're going to do later. But um, my Sephora holiday savings order arrived. So with it came a couple of samples. I love getting these samples because I don't typically ever buy designer fragrances ever. So I have like little to no knowledge of designer fragrances in general. So this is my chance to like see what's up and see what everyone's doing. So I'm wearing Joe Malone's Nectarine Blossom and Honey, I think is the name. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's not good. <laughs> you know, I feel like Joe Malone is a brand that gets a lot of heat on TikTok, not in a good way, mm-hmm. negative heat. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, uh, my, my heat is lukewarm, but it's just not a brand that I gravitate towards because the scents I find aren't memorable mm-hmm. or like particularly characteristic of the brand. And they also last like... 12 seconds in general. <laughs> um, yeah. The only one that I make a real exception for is Wood Sage and Sea Salt, which I love. And it's, um, mm-hmm. I think, like a really good go-to-bed fragrance because it's light, it's linear, mm-hmm. it feels really elegant. Yeah. And like, it's not distracting, but it has a lot of character. So I like that one a lot. But this one, this one smells like bad shampoo. Yeah, sample everything once. <laughs> Well, that's, I feel like everyone has a Joe Malone go-to, like regardless of what your whole thoughts are on the brand. Like for me, Joe Malone grapefruit, I think is one of the best fragrances I've ever smelled. I love it. 
can't recommend it enough. It is very like patchouli in sort of like a mossy clean way. And other than grapefruit, there are very few fragrances from that line that have wowed me, mm. but I love, I am such a grapefruit stand. I don't think so I, I get it. But I will take your recommendation uh, and go sniff it. It's rosemary, it's grapefruit, it's patchouli. It's just like fresh and zingy and zesty and feels like, like the way that patchouli can go clean and give you sort of like a fresh shower smell mm -hmm. is really the patchouli that you get in grapefruit. And it's just so good. I could see why they didn't put, did they put it in the name? What's the full name of the fragrance? Grapefruit. I like how they hide the patchouli in there. <laughs> Do you have, whether it be a signature scent or maybe like a, a, a scent profile that when you see it in store, you're like, I got to try this, this note's in there. What are those notes for you or fragrances for you? Um, for me, it would be anything that has vetiver in it. It's funny, like when I first started collecting fragrances, I didn't know what vetiver was. But if you like took all of my fragrances and dumped them into a database and then mapped them out by like ingredients and, and things that mm -hmm. they have in common, I think vetiver would be like the dominant, dominant note that all of them have in common. Um, mm. In terms of general profiles, I would say like a green woody floral is where I tend to skew. Um, in a very off-brand move, I've been really, really into gourmands. I think and anyone and everyone has been really into gourmands lately. Um, something about, you know, the imminent societal collapse that we're, we're faced with. I feel like people you want comfort. People want comfort. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. What is your favorite vetiver scent? Oh, okay. So I, I was hoping to do a bit of a show and tell today. So I brought. I, I brought was hoping you would do a show and tell. So this like is perfect. <laughs> this also answers your question of like, what is the biggest splurge for me? So it's the yes. um, uh, Dior vetiver. The Dior vetiver. Which I love. Okay. I went to Paris. Tell us about Dior there. vetiver. Mm -hmm. So this dang fragrance. Okay, so you asked about perfume school earlier. So when I was in grass, um, one of the exercises that we did was smelling a whole bunch of vetiver. And I got introduced to a few vetivers that I was immediately like, I need these. And this was one mm -hmm. of them. So mm -hmm. at the time, I was in grass. And then like the closest Dior shop was in Cannes. So my friend from perfume school and I went to Cannes to try to get this fragrance. And they were like, ooh, yeah, no, we can't do that. It's only sold in Paris. And I was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I don't know if we can swear on this, but. You can say anything. Great. I was like, God damn it! like, must I go to Paris just to find this fragrance? So I didn't. I was like, fine, you know what? I'll find it online, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Then I kept buying decants from this one guy on, there's this website, not this website, there's this Facebook group called the Great Canadian Fragrance Exchange that like all of mm. the, the Canadian perfume collectors are on. Um, and there was this one guy who had gone to Paris and he was selling decants of vetiver. So I kept hitting him up being like, can I get another 10 mil? He's your dealer. <laughs> He's my vetiver dealer. Um, and so that lasted me a few years. I went to Grasse in 2018. And then last year I went to Paris and I was like, okay, fine. I'm just going to do it. Just going to do it. And it was like the most money I'd ever spent on perfume in one go. But I was like, fine, fine. <laughs> I mean, when in Paris, especially if you know that it's so hard to get it anywhere else, mm -hmm. I, that's like the easiest, most justifiable perfume splurge, I feel like. And clearly you knew you felt a way about it. So yeah. you wouldn't regret it. Mm -mm. Yeah. 
Well, let's go back a few steps because you lived in grass. What was your perfume education? I want to clarify that this is not like a full perfume education. So the Grass Institute of Perfumery does kind of two types of education. There's like the full year-long accreditation that they do to train professional perfumers. Um, Mm -hmm. A few people that we know in common, like uh, Dana from Jasmine Sarai, trained at Mm -hmm. the Grass Institute of Perfumery. I did not. Mm -hmm. I did a summer course there, which is like very, very elemental. Um, It's two weeks so it's very like intro to perfume and then some, but like mm-hmm. you get the sort of luxury of staying in grass and like right. going on these field trips and having access to all of their like raw materials and things that you wouldn't normally get. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a bit like hoarding for me because I knew how much some of these things would cost, like rose from grass. They were just like, use mm-hmm. it. I was like, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use a lot of it in this. (laughs) It felt like smuggling. Um, Oh my God. But yeah. So it like, it's not just like any old perfume workshop, obviously, but it's not Mm -hmm. at all a full training. Well, but all this to say you have had more education than potentially the typical perfume talk content creator or uh, fragrance blogger or so you, you've had some formal training regardless of whether it was like the classic perfume school training. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably more than, more than most like perfume talk people, but yeah, it does not yeah. a perfumer make, I think perfumers bristle a lot <laughs> when you say you've been to perfume school and they're like, no, you really haven't. Um, and I, I feel right. like I've befriended. Like, I took a class. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. I, I just like worry about offending offending people who like spent a lot of time and effort to hone their craft when really I, I you know it's like doing one yoga class and calling yourself a yogi <laughs> okay now I want to go yet another step back mm-hmm. because you mentioned that your favorite sort of category is a green mossy floral is that what you said green woody floral mm-hmm. green woody floral so can you tell me a uh, green woody floral it, maybe it's better but I don't know any other green woody flory, florals that are in the tops, in the tops for you? I mean, it is a vetiver. Um, Atelier Cologne's Vetiver Fatal. I love, love that one. Um, great, great vetiver. Yeah. I mean, it's a green woody floral. <laughs> the mm-hmm. floral is a bit a, a bit more downplayed in that one, but there, I think there's mm-hmm. some marigold in there um, mm-hmm. and a nice plum note. Yeah, I miss that one. It's the only fragrance I've been emptied of. <laughs> Um, well, it's a hard, hard one to be empty of given yeah. where Atelier is headed or I guess where they are not. I should go so. find it. I've been trying not to um, seek out discontinued perfumes in this like frantic collector way because I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, fragrance is all about the <laughs> this transient, <laughs> the fleeting, you know, the things that like don't hang around. So you, I just have to like get into that mindset and really embrace that philosophy and not chase out these perfumes that are gone forever. Um, so part of me is like, ooh, I just want like 10 milliliters to hold on to and like keep in my little archive. But You deserve it. I'm rooting for you to find your 10 mil Vetiver Fatale for your collection. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now I'm going to go yet another step back because I feel like we've talked about so many things in the last like five minutes, but you did mention this feeling of gourmands right now. Mm -hmm. That's where you're at. Tell me who are some gourmands who are singing to you right now? Gourmands that I love. I mean, there's one that's like 
top of the pyramid, I would say, no pun intended. Um, and that would be, I hate to say this out loud because I know I'm butchering it. Danza delle lubelule. <laughs> Danza delle lubelule. Yeah, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. You do. Good. Um, so it means dance of the butter, uh, not butterflies, dance of the dragonflies, um, mm -hmm. which is a very poetic name, but it's from Nobile 1942. Mm -hmm. And great one. I just adore that fragrance. And it's one of those things where. I think there's real merit in smelling things that you think you would never like um, mm -hmm. when you're given a chance in a perfume store because like the amount of times that I've surprised myself with a fragrance that I really was like, oh, you know, like, these are all notes mm -hmm. that I'm like, yeah, whatever. But then right. some sort of magical combination of them comes together and you're like, this is the best perfume I've ever smelled. So that's one for me. Another is Blanche Bite from Liquid Maginaire. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. which I love and our mutual friend Valerie <laughs> loves also loves it <laughs> yeah yes. yeah I hope she gets a, a brand deal with them because she's really doing the most for that brand <laughs> she is yes the heavy lifting Valerie thank you for your service if you are listening to this yeah absolutely um that one's also great it feels a little bit like like the most elegant version of body lotion that you can find but I mean this in like mm -hmm the most complimentary way like I feel like it's just so soothing and um enveloping in this like gorgeous gorgeous way yeah totally mm -hmm. I do yeah. love Blanche Bet. yeah I mean it's interesting you were talking about like being surprised by different notes because I know one thing um that I've seen you do on your TikTok that I do as well is scent consultations and I'm curious when you're doing consultations are you typically trying to give people things that are similar to what they already like or do do you ever try and surprise and delight them like I know you've given me four gourmand scents but you must try this floral what's that process for you yeah um that's a great question I feel like I tend to give them a gamut um so when I get people to send me their request for a scent I ask for a pretty extensive scent brief um and that comes in the form of so many I mean so many ways but some people send playlists some people send full-on pinterest mood boards um mm -hmm. long long write-ups perfumes that they've worn perfumes that they've loved perfumes that they hate and from there i sort of like triangulate in like the the math lady kind of way um mm -hmm. perfumes that i think either fall into that category or like have something outside of it that could interest them because of this one thing that they said um right. And the requests are so, like, I find it so poetic to receive these emails because sometimes they're like, this one person was like, I want to smell like a sharp object. Another mm -hmm. person said, I want to smell like the moon in the daytime. Another mm -hmm. person said, I want to smell like Studio Ghibli films. And I just find these prompts so inspiring for me. And they like sent me down a path too, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. they're not saying... They're not saying like, hey, uh, I want to smell like uh, uh, vanilla with a little bit of coconut in it because like that's, right. that's super restrictive. But when you say you want to smell like a sharp object, that can be right. interpreted in so many ways. So I tend to send them something that's very close to what they asked for. And then like I'll, I'll call it the wild card at the very end mm -hmm. um, where I send them something that I think they'll really like based on like instincts and sort of 
I don't know, the, this sense of like understanding a style or a personality um, and matching mm-hmm. it to a fragrance. And then mm-hmm. usually it works out. Usually they're like, oh my God, like, yeah, I, I don't really get why I like this either, but I like it. I think that's what a good perfume sort of geek or expert or whatever you would call whatever both of we are would do is sort of say like, you think that you are looking for this, but I think you are looking for that. And just sort of like throw in the, this more conceptual idea. Hello listeners. Are you loving this episode? I am interrupting for just a brief moment to announce that Smell Club registration for November Savory Gourmands closes on November 17th. As of right now, only a few spots remain. And if you want to attend, I would definitely recommend getting your ticket as soon as possible. We are smelling so many different scents, one inspired by tomato leaf, one inspired by fennel, one inspired by beetroot, a lactonic hot pepper scent, and a bread and butter scent. This will be a fun one. You can register and purchase your sample pack, both at the link in my bio. And guys, also, I want to give you another announcement that based on your requests, I have now started creating links of all the products mentioned in every episode. So if there's anything in this particular episode that you want to explore further or shop for, all you have to do is click the shop this episode link in the description of this episode. Let's get back to Tracy. Where did your love of fragrance first begin? That's an interesting question because I feel like my love of scent and my love of fragrance have like many years apart. Um, Mm -hmm. My love of scent started because I grew up with my grandparents and my grandfather used to grow a jasmine plant on his balcony. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was the first person that I ever really felt attached to, I think, because my parents had left the country and left me with my grandparents under their care. Mm So, like, I I really, like, loved him as, I think, a parental figure. Um, And so, to this day, the scent of Jasmine really reminds me of him. Um, And that was, like, really my first formative scent memory. Um, And then, like, many, many years went by. I reunited with my parents. My mom is a very sensitive person. Um, She doesn't really like perfumes or smells in general. So, we had a pretty scentless household. But... One time she bought a Calgon Take Me Away Wild Ginger Body Spray. And I was mm-hmm. like, what is this? <laughs> I immediately like fell in love with it. And to this day, like thinking about it, it just brings me so much pleasure. Um, and then in high school, my best friend at the time owned Burberry Brit. Uh, she grew up in a very like scent uh, friendly household. So she wore a lot of perfumes, but Burberry Brit was her scent. And that was another perfume that I, I really fell in love with um, in the theme of gourmands that go at home. Yeah, yeah. Another great one. I was just thinking mm-hmm. the other day that I should buy another bottle just to like, if I need a little comforting or whatever, spritz it on a pillow, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then in terms of like getting into scent seriously, I started working professionally like next to a department store uh, called Holt Renfrew here in Toronto. And during lunch breaks, I would go in to the perfume counter and like bag them for samples. And I remember distinctly one of them handing me like a a sample of Byredo Pulp. Mm. And I was so enamored with that fragrance and like found myself completely unable to explain why. 
and that sent me down this path of like perfume reviewing and perfume blogging and trying to put into words what it was that I really liked about the fragrance. And then I discovered Luca Turin um, and his perfume reviews and Chandler Burr and his reviews. And really, I think like the pivotal moment for me was language based um, right. and getting into perfume reviews and perfume writing. You know, this is so interesting because you're talking about loving biradal pulp, trying to put into words what it was you loved about it. And I'm curious if there's ever been in your scent journey, any sort of like elusive scent that you've chased, or maybe you've come across it, maybe it doesn't exist yet, but a smell that is in your head that you are hoping or dreaming of smelling in perfume form. (laughs) I mean, it's not elusive in that it's a product, but every year I take out this like little bottle of bio silk that I have mm-hmm. and it's it's this like I don't know silicone like hair protector mm-hmm. yeah I, I know biosilk yeah it yeah. smells so good there are so many good smelling hair products on the market that I'm like this should be a fragrance I know I know and I don't know what it is like maybe it's the way that it's formulated for the hair product it just can't be replicated in mm-hmm. perfume form but it's a miracle to me that they haven't tried to like monetize a bio silk perfume because I would buy it like in a heartbeat um and I have like this this much left in my little bottle that I like pull out to smell from time to time but yeah that would be the one for me that's the elusive scent merchant bio silk okay bio silk silk. executives if you are listening to this I mean it's interesting because other hair brands have caught on like Oribe for example I feel like they got so many requests of I would want to wear this as a fragrance that they were just like okay and so they turned Cote d'Azur is like inspired by their hair products but is it the same I want to say it's not because I I, it's not, I think few. it's a little different but it is definitely like reminiscent of right. their products that's the funny thing about smell isn't it it's like it could be super similar similar but if like the key mm-hmm. doesn't precisely fit the lock in the way that your brain needs it to it's like forget mm-hmm. it Well, at least for me, it's that way. Like you can tell me these are super similar scents, but if it lacks that sparkle, I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt that way about Nukes. So they have that like Mm -hmm. multi-use oil. It smells Mm -hmm. so good. Um, I smell the perfume and it's like, "Mm," like it's a mist Doesn't do it for you. Yeah. You need the oil. Yeah. I find the like perfume formula replication interesting I see this and like this is my own personal conspiracy theory and I don't know if this is true at all but Jehome Epinet did both Byredo Bal d'Afrique and Vetiver Fatal and to me those there are, are the similarities s- those there are, are like the same fragrance <laughs> yeah I, mean, I think not. Vetiver, I, I prefer Vetiver Fatal personally same. um but there's a lot of parallels I would I agree with you there yeah, I'm like, did you like, did you take your formula and add this and remove that and add a little more of this? And then it's like, whoop, here you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what's really interesting is, you know, and especially in different conversations I've had with perfumers is a lot of times they have, you know, a modification or a submission that doesn't get chosen, but they still keep it in their back pocket for another project. But oftentimes I wonder if the thing that was chosen was similar enough that you would like sort of see, like an example is, um, I don't know if you've, have you smelled the Matière Premier line from Aurélien Guichard? Uh, some, not all. I do have their samples flying around though. 
Well, okay, so I bring it up because Aurelien, this is his brand, and he is the perfumer, and he has one fragrance in there called French Flower, which is a magnificent, fun, sort of like youthful, bubblegummy, pear, tuberose combo. Mm -hmm. I personally love it. When I first smelled it, immediately I was like, this reminds me so much of another fragrance I love, Petit Fracas. I look up who is the perfumer of Petit Fracas, Aurelien Guichard. So it's, but then you smell them side by side and they're very different, but they have a similar, so it's like, you have to wonder, like, did he submit, like, this is me like surmising, but like, you know, what if he submitted 200 mods for Pigway and then they picked one and it wasn't his favorite. And then he took another one that he did love that didn't get chosen, switched it up a bit, reformulated it, played with it. And it ended up becoming French flower. Yeah, I wonder. I, I wonder what the legalities are there. And I, I, I hope someone who's listening can weigh in about what the parameters are, because working in advertising, for example, which is um, my background, mm-hmm. there's always the temptation to take ideas that clients didn't buy and just bring it to another client with right. the same sort of product or in the same industry and try to sell it to them. But like, it's very frowned upon. Right. So I wonder... Because perfume formulas aren't protected in any sort of way and they aren't like copyrighted. That's what's so um, crazy to me that fra- that formula, they're not copyrighted. And it's one of the only industries where these sort of creative ideas aren't protected like others. I know. I was just explaining to someone on TikTok yesterday. They were like, oh, are all fantasy accords the same? Like does this brand's orchid accord match right. this other brand's orchid accord? Right. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. no. Right, right. But I also think often if two perfumes come from the same oil house, they might have used a molecule with a very distinctive smell in both fragrances at a higher concentration. And so it's like, okay, these are very different formulas, very different concepts, two different perfumers. But yes, this very distinct molecule exists in both. And that is what your nose is picking up, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. a it's an interesting conversation because I'm I'm personally someone who sort of classifies fragrances for people on TikTok or for people who ask me for recommendations in terms of what they smell like. The same way when someone does like a TV pitch and it's like, it's love is blind meets like sex in the city or whatever. Like it's like this, I don't know. How do you, do you describe fragrances in terms of other fragrances or do you try and keep it like its own sort of unique thing? Um, I don't have that instinct mostly because I find the references I have are lost on people. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that's because like, I prefer to sort of dabble in the indie artisan world and, and right. people's references tend to be in the designer world, right. maybe, or it's just like personal preference. I, I, uh, am a creature of habit and I like my profiles and I rarely venture out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find it's easier to, to describe a feeling than it is to, put two perfumes together and hope that they get what those two perfumes represent, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of your perfumes, what is your collection like today? How are you displaying it? How are you rotating it? Tell me more. I'm I'm a pretty sloppy perfume collector, I would say. I'm looking off camera because all of my perfumes are in like one of those Ikea boxes that you Mm -hmm. like shove into one of those ikea like four by two uh bookshelves mm-hmm. um i store them in, in the dark i don't put them like on a shelf or on a vanity or anything like that and i don't know i just 
I, I keep them in there. It, it's not a very respectful move, I would say. Like, it feels disrespectful to just jam them all together in a pile. Mm-hmm. Um, however. Because <laughs> our fragrances are sentient and you are hurting their feelings. Yeah, yeah. They're like, don't you know how much Do you I know who cost? I am? Like, <laughs> I don't rotate them. I, I let my instincts tell me what I want want to wear that day and then I dig through the same chaos that is my perfume collection and then I look for that thing yeah. I I'm the same what is the what would you say is like the weirdest I mean and that's obviously very subjective so whatever that means to you what would you say is the weirdest fragrance in your collection I feel like I, I gravitate towards pretty mm-hmm. um, even though I resist pretty fun fact this perfume that I have on my desk, it's from Officine Universelle Bully mm. from Paris as well. Spent a lot of money in Paris, that, that trip. Um, it's worth it. This, it's a trip. It is. So this one, I was like, I tested it in the store and I was like, I can't possibly buy this fragrance. It is too goddamn pretty. Um, and there's this real resistance in me to like buy things that are just pretty. Like I need it to do more mm-hmm. um, or like check some other box. But... Then I was just like, you know what? Like, I like it. What what other qualifier does it need, right? So mm-hmm. I bought it anyways. Um, a lot of my perfumes are like that. Pretty. Okay, one one that's a little bit strange is um, Spite. Old like Chronotope. Mm-hmm. From Chronotope Fafler, um, mm-hmm. who I consider a personal friend. Love you, Carter, if you're listening. Hey, <laughs> it's great. It is this, like thorny metallic ashy green woody <laughs> floral um it has an artichoke note which i think mm-hmm. is responsible for that um metallic mm-hmm. aspect to it um it smells kind of like a a wood witch come alive a little bit like i, I picture mm-hmm. a disney villain immediately when it's I definitely witchy but in a very like green green way yeah, like in a thorny way. Yeah. Um, I find the artichoke note really special and like I haven't seen it much anywhere. And now I'm thinking, is it in the line that we're about to smell with all the vegetables? But I don't think so. I don't think it, I don't think there is artichoke in that line. Although, you know, it's so interesting because sometimes certain rose facets will go and like, will have like an artichoke vegetal thing to them. But I guess they're not technically artichoke notes, but like you get like a an artichoke greenness from Rose on occasion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And I think in this one, he actually uses Rose Vine, not mm. Rose. So it has that like um, middle ground between floral and like really snippy green ingredients. Yeah. Love it. I love Great it as one. well. Okay, before we do get to the live smelling portion of the show, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, are there any fragrances that you have done a 180 on, maybe for better or for worse, um, that you had written off or loved and now you feel differently? Um, there's one that comes to mind and it makes me really upset because it was a great one. It was Opus Cori from Wilhelm. Mm. Bought it, I think, on a trip to New York a few years ago. Loved it immediately. Bought the bottle, like <laughs> had to do that weird dance of like smuggling it across uh, the border because of the size of the perfume bottle. Um, but you're here to tell the tale, so you made it. TSA, do not arrest me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, 
few years ago, I started noticing that whenever I put it on, I would be sneezing nonstop, just nonstop mm. uh, for hours at a time. And then at one point, I realized it was a consistent pattern. Something in it, I don't know, I just developed, I guess, like a mild allergy too. So when I was moving the summer, I decided to sell it. And that's really too bad because it's like very much a serotonin perfume for me, like um, mm-hmm. in the middle of like the winters here, which can be a little bit depressing. I would like pull it out and it would like remind me of like springtime and like better, sunnier days. And it was a, a really uplifting fragrance in my collection. Mm. Couldn't wear it. That's so interesting. Did you ever look into like what the ingredients were or what or isolate like what maybe was doing it or you just don't know? You know what? Like with me and fragrance, I'm like the the less I know, the better <laughs> in terms of like what goes into fragrance and what's good and what's not good for you. And like reading the papers on like, I don't know, parabens and all these mm-hmm. things that the hashtag clean hashtag <laughs> green community are trying yeah. to tell us will kill us. Right. Um, I'm just like, I, you know what? I, I have so few pleasures um, in life that I'm just going to hold on to this one and not let my knowledge of the world that exists in uh, temper my love for it. So I, I, ignorance is bliss, as the wise day. I agree with that. But I also, too, like when I talk to perfumers, I kind of always ask them this question because these are people who are, for people who talk about fragrance is killing you, fragrance is toxic, they're people who are literally smelling and making oils all day long. If it was toxic, wouldn't they not be okay? It's the same way that like people say tuna has traces of mercury. If you eat a spicy tuna roll on occasion, is that going to kill you? No. But maybe if breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you ate tuna every day, like you might have mercury poisoning. I kind of feel like it's just like you have to give these things context when someone says this causes birth defects, this causes that. It's like in what quantity? Everything causes something in excess, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think there's a book called, I did not read this book, but I I thought the title was a good reference. Um, The Dose Makes the Poison. Mm. It's all about dosage, right? It's all about the the quantity, the consumption. I was just reading a study actually that said like when you drink chicken soup, there are trace amounts of benzene that can be found in your urine after the fact. And it's like, mm, chicken soup has benzene. You better stop drinking chicken soup. You could say it about everything and they even like we have to drink water to survive. People say make sure you hydrate, but then people find microplastics in their water. So should we stop drinking water? Should we only get bottled water? Well, if we get bottled water, there's even more microplastics in that water. It's like what everything could be bad for you at some level. You have to sort of choose your evils. In my mind, it's like balancing my vices. Like I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't really drink a lot. So I'm like, whatever, I'm going to douse myself in perfume and hope for the best. Let's smell some perfume, shall we? Mm-hmm. Okay. So for everybody listening, um, Tracy and I are sitting here with the Potager line from La Tuisson, and we are going to live smell the five fragrances in the collection and shoot the shit and tell you our thoughts. Live reactions. Yes. Um, just so you know, when I first ordered this one, I was like, you know what, Iris, I'm not going to order that line. And then when you reached out and we chatted about smelling this line, I was like, oh shit, I should probably, <laughs> I should probably also get the Iris one because I know you love Iris. I do. So I decided to complete my order with another sample. Well, I want you to know that when we decided to discuss this one, I only had three 
samples as well, but I thought it would be fun. And you know which one I didn't have a sample of? Iris as well, because I, I had smelled it in store and I, well, we'll get to it. But I didn't okay. have Vetiver um, Ecarlat and I didn't have Iris Degree. So I ordered those for for this conversation. So I haven't smelled these yet. I was like saving them for you, but okay. I have a sense <laughs> that I'm going to really like the vetiver one. I think <laughs> for reasons previously you, discussed. <laughs> okay, based on this conversation, yes. Let's go for for no rhyme or reason whatsoever. Um okay. let's just go in alphabetical order cuz we never do sure. that in perfume. Okay, so the first one we are smelling is Cetrat Ceruse. Yeah, did you get a sprayer? Did you get a, I I got a I have, Godforsaken, dabber. So I, I have dabbers of three of them and I have sprays of two of them because two of them I ordered from uh, L'Artisan's website and three of them I just had like samples made. Okay. Cetrat Ceruse, how do you feel? I like it. I love this one. This was the one, so I smelled this in Scent Bar when I was in LA a few weeks ago and this was the one that like really stole my heart that I was just like, this is such a good, I was getting something like a Nisic immediately. And then the woman who was helping me was like fennel. And I was like, mm. holy shit. I also, hot take, I think fennel is one of the most underrated vegetables. I don't think we celebrate fennel enough. I don't think we talk about fennel enough. And so I feel like this fragrance gives justice to fennel. I agree. Where was the last time I saw fennel? I think it was in the new Victor and Wolf. Uh, release, which apparently people hated, but I thought it was quite good and it had a fennel note that was interesting. That's pretty avant-garde for Victor and Ralph because I think of them sort of going with more like traditional marketing type notes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But I think like they're they're selling it like a jasmine sandalwood, which is yeah, it's very <laughs> very of the time. Yeah, I love this one. To me, it's almost like an anisic fougere. Like I feel like there's like a little bit of like a barbershop aftershave feel in it but with this like very specific like fennel feel. Mm -hmm. I feel like it, it rounds out what would be a very powdery tonka mm -hmm. and just gives it like more shape. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something a little almondy and powdery in this one for sure. Like maybe a little heliotrope or... Um, mm -hmm. Okay, let's um, give arbitrary numbers because that's always fun to do for absolutely no reason at all. One out of Ooh. 10, no category. Let's just pick a number. Where are you putting this on your one to 10 scale? Oh, this is hard. I would say like pretty close to 10, maybe an eight. I was going to say eight or an 8.5. So. Wow. Okay. We are aligned. We are aligned. Okay. What comes next in the alphabet? Oh, Iris. That's going to be Iris. Iris. I'm scared. I am scared. Iris degree. I have thoughts on this one. So. So Iris is like one of those notes um, that I've always not been able to tolerate. It's so, we have very different tastes, like even just seeing what you gravitate towards. But that's what I love about perfume. Here we are, two fragrance fanatics. We both have, have some education in perfume, love the everything about the art form, completely different tastes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. What are you getting? And that's why this? I find like the TikTok, not to like get down no, on a total other tangent. Let's do it. I find the um, need for exterior validation on TikTok a little bit concerning. Mm -hmm. Like people in the comments being like, oh, what do you think of this fragrance? Like, I like it, but I just don't know. I'm like, if you like it. That's all you need problem? to know. 
Yeah. What is the problem? The I'll, fact that I like it has absolutely no impact on your taste. Right. I'd love to know as a person who likes iris what your issue is. Because for me, it's the iris. <laughs> so my issue with this is that if you are going to come out with the potager line and you are going to say that everything is very vegetal, unlike anything else, because there are other L'Artisan perfumes that have vegetal notes, there are other vegetal fragrances that exist in this world, then like give me something that feels really vegetal. And to mm-hmm. me, this... You know, the notes that they describe this as are peas and iris. We can kind of assume the peas are probably some sort of galbanum something. This Mm -hmm. doesn't smell more distinctly vegetal than a Chanel 19 or like any other sort of... I just feel like I've smelled a lot of classic iris-galbanum combos or like Untitled by Maison Margiela. And I really enjoy Mm -hmm. them. But like I... If you were going to put this in a vegetable line, then I just feel like I'm not getting that. But I like this, but there are so many irises I like more and there are so many vegetal scents I like more that it's not sort of satiating either, but it makes me happy on a basic level Mm -hmm. in both genres. So my thing with this one, I mean, aside from the iris thing, is that I feel like the pea isn't doing anything to the iris that the iris is not already doing. Like iris to me smells very papery. Mm -hmm. Um very dry and the pea just feels like an extension of that dimension Mm -hmm. rather than adding something like unexpected or like a different a different like texture so to speak I totally agree it's like what is the twist what it what is Mm -hmm. what makes this part of the potager line what is the pea doing different from all other peas or irises Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. but I I don't dislike this in fact if I were giving it a number on a one to ten I would give it a six I like it same. You give it a six too? This is, I would give it a six. I was literally just picturing the six number. Um, but I've always felt like I was a little bit psychic <laughs> as an aside. What's but, your sign? That's a whole other thing. Cancer. Okay. Hello, water sign. Okay, let's move on to the next, which is Musk Amarant. Mm. I forget what this one's all about, so I'm I, excited. I feel like when you dip it, you'll know. <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah, this one's vegetal. Mm -hmm. This one, before we even get into, like, what we're perceiving, whatever, what I will say is I'm like, give me vegetables, give me garden, give me soil, and I smell this, and I'm like, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for doing that. Oh, I like this one a lot. See, this is the kind of tension that I was looking for in the previous one. Yes, 100%. And Cédrat Ceruse, while I love that fragrance, and I definitely get the fennel, it's not, I think it's a beautiful sort of like green aromatic scent. I don't think it's like doing something very avant-garde. I just really enjoy the smell. This one to me is mm-hmm. giving me something that feels like, ooh, okay, this is, this belongs in this collection. Yeah, what is that? It's beetroot. Oh, just dirt. Yeah, and if, I actually, I haven't smelled um, Diptyque Kyoto, but I have smelled Comme de Garçon Red and I, so mm-hmm. again, I can't compare this to all the beetroot scents on the market, but to me, what I love about this one is that it feels very realistic. It feels like very fresh soil, fresh out of the dirt, rooty sort of beet, but it also does feel very pretty. And I would want to smell like this. It's a, it didn't sacrifice either. It's not too conceptual and it's not too perfumey. I feel like it's kind of like, yes, I'll wear this and it smells like this. 
You know what the mental image comes to mind is like when um, people on TikTok for a while were like doing their makeup with beetroot and they were like putting on a, a lip stain. Oh my God, yes. Like the- okay, that's a throw. I feel mm-hmm. like that was like maybe like two years ago TikTok, right? Like I kind of, I mm-hmm. feel like I vaguely remember that. Yeah. If you had to give it a number, where is this sitting for you? I, I'm really into this actually. I did smell Kyoto and Kyoto I, I would say is not as good as this. Mm. Kyoto has a strong... Um, bell pepper smell in mm. it too that I was just like mm. but uh this one 7.5 okay interesting that's not where you went <laughs> I think this I I think I'm giving this one a nine I'm really whoa yeah I I think I'm giving it a nine whoa. I think I'm Cedret Saru's I'm giving an 8.5 I'm giving mm-hmm. Iris degree a six and I'm giving Musk Amarant a nine I love that you did that with such confidence. Thank you. And I feel like you also are very convicted in your decision. So I'm happy for us. I'm just really waiting for the vetiver so that I can give it a 10, which means I can't give anything else too high of a number. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know it comes last because we're going alphabetically. So next up, we I got know. Tonka Blanc. Tonka Blanc. I mean, this is just nice. It. This feels out, out of the line. Yeah, like if you told me this is a marshmallow candy fragrance with no vegetables in it, I'd be like, yep. It's kind of like a warm creamsicle with a burp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But the burp still smells good. Like maybe it's a burp of the of the creamsicle. There's something there's something like that goes like a little like um acidic in there in almost mm-hmm. like a stomach acid way, but it's mainly giving me like orange sherbet. It's like you're you're eating orange sherbet and maybe you like spit up a little, but like no, but then you gave a bite to your friend and they had no idea. I love this. Put this on the bottle. Marketing <laughs> copy. We got it. <laughs> so I don't get cauliflower in this at all. Me either. No cauliflower. And what I thought I was smelling in the other one was like crudite, like freshly chopped, like not cooked vegetable cauliflower. Mm-hmm. But this is. It is not in here. <laughs> I will say, okay, here's who I would recommend this to. If if someone wears like a lot of traditional gourmands, likes the idea, wants to venture into niche and wants something that feels safe, but might be like a little less sweet or, a, or just like a slight twist. Like if you are wearing Carolina Herrera, good girl, and you're like, mm. let me go niche, but you don't, you, but you don't want it to be something that's like completely out of what you've experienced. I think this would be a really good place to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so sweet. It makes my teeth hurt. It's a sweet one. Mm, it's nice. It's it's fine. <laughs> where 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 is it? One to ten. Okay, so I, I feel like I'm taking this task a little too seriously, but <laughs> I feel like if I rate it lower than five, it's negative, which it's not. It's like it's very pleasant. Mm-hmm. So, also six. Me too. Me too. Okay, we're back on track. I'm giving it a six too because it's a nice scent. It is actually a very nice, pleasant scent. It's just, what is it doing in this line? Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got one I'm really excited one for this one. If I don't like it, I'll be crestfallen. For everybody listening, it has the word vetiver in its name. So I feel like we have a very good prospect of this being a 10. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> I'm really having high hopes for this one. Oh, yeah. 100%. Trace is on board. You know what? It's it's funny because you talked about grapefruit at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. 
And this one's got a lovely grapefruit note. In a very realistic way. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is probably, I feel like there's, you know, there's like artificial banana flavor, artificial grape flavor, and then there's the actual smell. Like this is like you just cut open a ruby red grapefruit and you have the little like pulp on your spoon. Like it's so grapefruit. Yeah, it has that bitterness mm-hmm. of like that that pith, but you really don't want to get any in your mouth because it ruins the whole experience, mm-hmm. but it smells great. And then there's like that tart, I don't know. These kind of smells always make my saliva glands act up. Me too. Like, I'm like getting hey. really spitty right now, which is great for the audio. Great for podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. It's good. It's pulse point worthy, y'all. Yeah, it is. It is. This is one that I think gets even better when you wear it. Oh, damn. Yeah, that's incredible. So on the dabber stick, you don't really get what I think is a bit of a smokier vetiver that yes. really comes out the minute you put it on your skin. It almost has like a pepperiness on skin, right? Like there's just something in it that's smoky, that's a little bit peppery, that's kind of dry, but like also, I don't I don't know, it's kind of magical. Yeah. Where is it sitting for you? Okay, it's a 10, but it doesn't have rhubarb. Is it still a 10? <laughs> She's a 10, but she doesn't have rhubarb. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. For me, for me, I'm tying this with musk amaranth. I, I'm giving them both a nine because I, I think they're both really special. And I, yeah. Those are my two favorites in the in this pack, followed in a close third by Cetre Ceruse. Mm-hmm. And the Iris Degree and Tonka Blanc are perfectly lovely, but I I don't know really why they're in here. I don't really know why either. I think my top three are aligned. I would just um, bump the vetiver one up a little bit because I'm biased. Yeah. Okay, Tracy, we have one final segment of the show. This has been so fun. It's called What's That Smell? It is rapid fire scent association. I'm going to throw out a person, place, thing, concept, whatever. Just tell me the first smell mm-hmm. that comes to mind. Mm, what's that smell? Are you ready to play What's That Smell? I am. What's okay. That? Tracy, what is the smell of Toronto? Santel 33. What is the smell of Paris? Unfortunately, urine. Wow. Okay. We are going there. (laughs) What is the smell of um, Teenage Tracy? Ralph by Ralph Lauren. Same. Um, What is the smell of love? The smell of love is Jasmine. Okay. Final question. What is the smell of Tracy Wan? Uh, Scentless. Scentless. Okay. Do you want to explain your answer mm-hmm. or no? <laughs> I feel like I am a blank canvas. There is not a scent that represents me. I don't have a signature scent. I would hate to be tethered to a smell because I change all of the time. So I don't have a scent and I take on whatever it is that I want to take on that day. Okay. Tracy, it's been so fun hanging out with you, smelling with you, chatting with you. You have an amazing Instagram and TikTok and blog all at Invisible Stories, right? Is it the mm-hmm. Invisible Stories mm-hmm. or Invisible Stories? Depends on which one I can get on TikTok. It doesn't have the the in front of it because um, I was ahead of the game on that one, but everyone else took Invisible Stories on the other platforms. Mm. So okay. give them back to me, y'all. <laughs> give them back to Tracy. If you have Invisible Stories, we want it back. This is your chance. Thank you for having me on this. It's been so much fun. 
Perfumer is edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon, and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez.